All right, welcome to Making the Argument. Before we get started, I have a very important announcement. We have a brand new deal with GoodRanchers.com. That's right. If you go into Good Ranchers and you use promo code Nick and you sign up for one of their subscriptions, you're not only going to get $15 off, but do you remember the old deal where you got two pounds of ground beef with each order? Well, we just upped the game. That's right. You can choose top sirloin, salmon, chicken breast, or bacon now. Every single order you get on that subscription is going to come with free. Top sirloin, salmon, chicken breast, or bacon. You get to choose which one if you use promo code Nick. And again, $15 off on top of that. That's a savings of $480 in meat by signing up for one of those subscriptions. Not to mention the fact that if you are looking for a gift for someone that is impossible to shop for, you can go on to GoodRanchers.com and get one of their brand new gift boxes. Now, this is a limited time only offer. It's part of their overall Black Friday special. So go on to GoodRanchers.com to get more details. Sign up for promo code Nick and to get that deal and let's get on with the show. All right, so we have more evidence that the Biden Justice Department has been targeting conservatives. Now, typically when you hear things like this, the automatic response from the left is this is conspiratorial. This isn't really going on. You're blowing things out of proportion. So we decided to do some analysis on this. And we've got five examples that we're going to use in order to demonstrate that, no, it does appear that there is a political dynamic to a lot of the activities that we're seeing within the Department of Justice right now. And we're going to talk about why that's so. All of that coming up on this episode. On this episode today, we are going to give you five examples, just like Nick said, and you're going to walk away from this podcast with the answers and the examples you need to know to make a coherent argument on this topic. We hope you'll join us in the volley chat. Give us your thoughts there. And thank you for joining us. Okay, so it seems like we can't turn on the news the last, uh, I don't know, couple of months without seeing another FBI raid or some sort of intervention by the Department of Justice. Um, and people over time have, have started to notice a, a little bit of a trend here. Um, it turns out that you know when it comes to things like Epstein's client list or maybe Hunter Biden's business dealings, no, no mention. Nothing going on. But when it comes to school board meetings or when it comes to, oh, I don't know, a pro-life activist outside of a Planned Parenthood, all of a sudden we're going in guns heavy in order to get the bad guys. And so what we're going to do is we're going to we're going to look at a couple of different examples here. And let's let's start off with probably the most, I don't know, prominent example that we could have come up with in the last five years, six years, well, six years. Hang on one second. First off. Real political targeting has never been tried. Um, <laughs> that wasn't real political targeting. I, I'm waiting for the left to start using that as the argument. Um, no, the, the, I, the overall point of this episode is, is I feel like that there's actually so many examples of political targeting where the left has weaponized certain federal law enforcement agencies, really the FBI and the DOJ. Yeah. And they have converted them from being legitimate functions of government to go after, you know, like drug traffickers or, you know, you know, sex traffickers or whatever into basically just a bludgeon for them to beat up their political opposition with. But the thing is, is that, A, these these things kind of like fly under the radar. Nobody necessarily keeps track of like a running tally of how many times this has happened in, in such a short amount of time. So. I mean, what we really want to get across to the audience in this episode is like, oh, no, 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 no. Like Facebook or Twitter might not, you know, keep a running tally on the side. Like here's how many times the FBI or the DOJ has done this. But it doesn't require a whole lot of work to find three, four, five examples of of some really questionable behavior from, you know, well, it, 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 some of Biden's top law enforcement officials. And 
as you said, this is I, this isn't even within five years. This is, I, I mean, with the exception of the Steele dossier, which is the first of these examples, yeah. everything else is within like three years well, or two years. And let's go real quick. I mean, let's just right off the bat, let's talk about what the left's typical response to this is. Either the response is you are taking isolated incidents and you're trying to turn it into as, as if it's the whole thing, which I find fascinating coming from the left because they, they want to claim that all of our law enforcement institutions are structurally racist. And, and every time there's an altercation between a white officer and a minority suspect, this is indicative of the entire life. But when we point out certain instances like this, it's like, oh, well, you're taking an isolated incident. So that's the first one. It's this idea that, well, we're going to fact check this. And we found out that they investigate, you know, Democrats every bit as much as they investigate Republicans. And you can always find stuff where it's like, okay, yeah, they did launch an investigation that you never heard about, that never was in the news, that never affected. They never kicked in any doors. Yeah, they never kicked in any doors. Like Eric Swalwell was sleeping with a Chinese spy. I don't think the FBI raided his office anytime, you know. So, that's part of making sure that we're actually comparing apples to apples. The other thing that they'll say is, well, yeah, the, they reason, why, it. the reason why Republicans get you know targeted more by the DOJ is because you're doing more shady stuff. Don't you remember January 6th, right? So let's go ahead and look. Let's go ahead and look at some examples. We're going to address these arguments. But here's the first one, the Steele dossier, right? And, and this is CNN in 2021 essentially coming and saying, yeah, there, there was a lot of shady stuff with the steel dog. This is the foundation upon which all future FBI scandals in the last, as you said, five years yeah. or so have been built. Because, yeah, for... for Again, everybody has probably heard the Steele dossier. Not everyone recognizes what it is or, or knows specifically what it is. But essentially, this investigation broke shortly after Donald Trump was elected. And the whole idea was that as there was you know hard evidence, the FBI had hard evidence that they were investigating, that there was collusion directly between Donald Trump or high-level members of his campaign and the Russian government in order to steal the 2016 election, which, you know, again, we're not supposed to talk about that because all elections are the most secure in history provided the no, Democrats No, 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 won. no. Only 2020 was the most Only secure Only 2020, in yeah, that's right. <clears throat> yeah. But in 2016, the Steele dossier was supposed to be, this was the, the smoking gun demonstrating that, no, in fact, Donald Trump himself, or at the very least, very high members of his campaign were, were directly colluding with the Russian government in order to spread misinformation, disinformation, all these things in order to essentially steal the 2016 election. And what they found out was is that this was largely garbage. I mean, this was not not only did we have a problem with the people that were providing information for the Steele dossier not being reliable or, yeah. or not having access to the information that they, they claimed that they did. But then you also had direct connections between people that were working the Steele dossier and the Clinton campaign. Oh, I would argue that it was even worse than that because think about it from the average public's perspective. How many people, and I'm willing to bet that folks that are listening to this podcast could could list them off on their own, um, you know, in, in their head, you know, how many friends or family members that they met who believe all the, maybe all the way up until today, but certainly through the first half of Trump's presidency, that this actually happened. Yeah. You know, the, the, I remember the whole Mueller investigation in 2017 and 18, and all these people on the left, all of these Democrats were like, oh, they're going to throw the book at him. He's going to, you know, they're, they're going to find evidence that he's he's been a compromised Russian asset. I remember the phrase oh, Russian yeah. asset being thrown around a million oh, yeah. times in that. And it was all bogus. Yeah. If Mueller had found anything, he would have announced something. Yeah. And he, when he came out, he said there was no collusion. What he Here's what happened. The Russian government shockingly thought, oh, let's stir a little bit of political chaos in the U.S. 
And so they did certain things with like Facebook memes. Yeah. What they did was is that they made a bunch of like fake online it, accounts to share some memes. Yeah. And it ended up being like the equivalent of like, I think a few hundred thousand dollars. Yes. The equivalent <laughs> of, of they, they did the equivalent of what um, low level political activists do yeah. in a, in a single congressional race yeah. or something like that, or a state legislative race where they, they share some memes on Facebook is the equivalent of what they did. And they turned this into a national scandal trying to allege that the president of the United States was somehow like blackmailed or bribed by the Kremlin and that he was like some sort of Manchurian candidate, well, which the is not and, what happened. Well, the press and social media were all on board with it. I mean, they they, yes. they totally bought into this, but with the exception of like Fox News. And no, and every leftist outlet. was into it as well. I mean, I, and you, it's total crickets now. I mean, they oh yeah, they just went uh, when, off about it. He should be in jail. When was the last time you heard anybody from the Department of Justice or any Democrat talk about the Steele dossier? And and it, keep it or or any major news outlet. Now keep in mind for at least two years. This was like all they could talk about. It was all they cared about. It was it was the smoking gun. It was everything. And then all of a sudden, crickets. Because it, it, it got so bad. It got so bad. And the reason why they shut up about it was not because it was proved to be false. The reason why I think they shut up about it is because the more you dug, the more you realized that there was actually collusion between the FBI and the Clinton campaign on this. That it, that it was almost a complete 180 with respect to who was actually engaging in illicit activities in order to, you know, affect the outcome of an election. And to give you an idea of, so, so here's the response that, that I'm, I'm sure some people on the left could give. Who cares, right? Who cares? Because at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter that all of this happens. We know that the Russians, you know, tried to, to create some political controversy. And so who cares if we overshot the target on this one? I'll tell you who cares. The same people who have been pushing for years that questioning any election outcome is tantamount to literal treason or the same people that I, I, I found a poll from YouGov, who, by the way, is not a Republican leaning no. pollster. YouGov has currently has the most pro-democratic bias of any pollster in this election cycle. So they're by no means, you know, a, a pollster group that's like on the right. They're not like Rasmussen or anything like that. There was a poll from late 2018 um, from YouGov that showed two-thirds of all Democrats believed, quote-unquote, that it was definitely or probably true that Russia tampered with vote tallies in order to get Donald Trump elected. Yeah. That is literal fake news. There, In fact, there was a um, – there, there were multiple congressional investigations – under both parties um, during Trump's um, administration, right, you know, during the four years that he was in office that showed that there's no evidence that even a single vote was changed by the Russian government when people went in and, you know, cast their ballots in 2016. And yet two thirds, 67 percent of all Democrats literally believe that the Russian government somehow hacked into, you know, election software and changed a bunch of vote tallies from people in order to literally yeah. rig the election. Yeah. Like, like, you know, go like, like. You know, something that you would see in like Syria, right? Yeah. You know, that, that Assad's government would do or North Korea or something like that, where well, they would the, the literally very, change very, vote tallies. The very, thing, the very thing that people were concerned about with like Dominion voting machines and stuff like that and the question of like chain of custody. Yeah. And you're all conspiracy theorists. You're all conspiracy theory nuts. You know, the whole deal. Threats to democracy. They believed, they believed all of this. Yes. You know, four years earlier. And the reason why they, the, the, the thing that, that is crucial for the audience to understand is the reason why 67% of Democrats literally believe a 
fake news conspiracy theory about the Russian government altering vote tallies in toss-up states to to rig, literally rig the election for Trump in 2016, which is 100% false. The entire reason they believe that is because of the Steele dossier. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's why this stuff matters. And well, not, not to mention the fact that if you look at it from a budgetary standpoint, when you look at the the Steele dossier, when you look at the collusion between the Clinton campaign and the people that were putting together and investigating the Steele dossier, when you look at the you know millions upon millions of dollars that were put into the FBI investigation with respect to Mueller, when you look now again, you can come back and argue that well, look, there was there was a credible concern. It's like, well, no, actually there wasn't. That's what we found out. Okay. Well, we didn't know until we did the investigation. Okay. Then then what you do at that point is you come back and you say, we oh, were crap. wrong. We were wrong. This was bad. We should be more careful about this. No, it wasn't that it, it was the, well, we had to do this anyways, because Trump is so bad. It warranted all of this. Like, well, wait a second. When you're using something to demonstrate that somebody is so bad and it turns out the thing you were using was wrong, you don't get to come back and then say, well, it, this is circular reasoning. And, and the problem is, is that you, you saw this to some degree, too, with respect to um, various government agencies under the Obama administration, where if you were to go set up a 401, um, um, or excuse me, a um, 501c4, 501c4 um, they, were, they were deliberately, I mean, they, they demonstrated that yeah, they the were IRS deliberately scandal. tanking conservative uh, nonprofits. But they weren't doing the same thing to left-wing nonprofits. Yeah, and the response was is that well, clearly they, you know, they they, they needed to be more, you know, they they needed to scrutinize these people more because again, they're a threat to democracy. Yeah. Oh yeah, they're, they're, it, it, it is complete circular reasoning. And I I I've got a quick question for you, I, to 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 kind of sum up the whole why should people care about the FBI scandal with the Steele dossier where the Clinton campaign like literally concocted this fake news story and then fed it to America's top law enforcement agency to create a two-year-long conspiracy theory that many, I guarantee you, a majority of Democrats to this day probably still believe that the Russian government literally rigged the 2016 election, which is completely fake news. And so it, it is a lie that has crippled, um, I mean, you want to talk about like faith in democracy, it's a lie that has crippled people's faith in elections. But now, you know, now, now you're not allowed to, to, um, to have any concerns about that if you're on the right. So my the question that I've got for you is, if you know somebody that's on the left, right, that thinks that, oh, you're all crazy conspiracy theorists, you know, it, it, you're undermining democracy by questioning anything the FBI does. How dare you do that? And, you know, and then, you know, you, you, you throw out all these things about how Donald Trump or MAGA Republicans are a threat to democracy. How do you respond to somebody like that who has been living in this fantasy bubble, right? Where the left can do nothing wrong. They haven't done anything wrong. The FBI hasn't done anything wrong. The DOJ hasn't done anything wrong. It's all the Republicans faults, you know, and oh, by the way, I, I still quietly believe that Russia rigged the 2016 election. Like what sort of, what, how, how do you deal with, with well, that I think, disconnect? I think, you, you, I think you have to, you have to distinguish between people that are, are willing to actually apply logic to, to a particular case and are willing to be logically consistent and can be moved by facts, evidence, and data versus those that cannot. Now, it's easy to sit around, and, and this is part of the problem. I run, in, I run into people like this a lot that think that, no, 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 I'm on the left. We're the party of science. And it's almost like this idea of association. Because I'm a Democrat, then of course I'm the one that likes science and logic because you guys didn't want to wear a mask, right? And, and that's it. That's all that's required. Like my party affiliation to, are, already determines that I'm the one that likes these things and, and is data-driven. Okay, that's not the case. 
And so it, it's it's really about, to some degree, there's a great deal of mistrust whenever we're talking about this from the perspective of, okay, you're on the left, I'm on the right. You're in, you're in this group, I'm in that group, and we don't trust each other when we bring these arguments to the table. Now, I will say this much. There are people on the left that when they make an argument, the, the first thing that I look for is what is the logic being used, right? Because a lot of times when people say, well, well here's my evidence. You know, I think it was um, my grandfather, I don't know who he used to quote, but he used to say, he goes, figures don't lie, but liars figure. And, <laughs> and one of the things, one of the things that you understand when you start to look at, okay, here's, here's the evidence I'm presenting for my argument is that you can selectively pick the data, the number of the evidence that you want in order to make your argument look good. But at the end of the day, if you've excluded other evidence that would potentially damage your argument, you have a bad argument. And this is exactly what the left does with things like the, the well, vote and, and, stuff, and right? Look, look, they, well, look, look, I want to I be really honest here. A lot of conservatives do the same thing. Like, I want to cherry pick the, st the, the stats I'm going to use in order to make my argument. That's why the, the first thing I look for when somebody is, is making this argument is – what is the what is the worldview? What is the foundational principles that are actually being applied here? So when somebody says, you know, oh, oh, the Russians stole this, my first question is not, okay, show me your evidence. My first question is, okay, why do you think this? And why do you trust the people that are telling you this? Well, the answer to both of those would be, I think this because orange man bad. Yeah. And so, therefore, I am inclined to believe that he did nefarious things to get into power because I don't like so him. So the way I would respond to somebody like that is like, okay, I, I'm not asking you to like Donald Trump. I'm not asking you to think that he was legitimately elected. I'm asking, do you think it was appropriate for one campaign to use the force of the FBI in order to launch a multi-year investigation, multi-million dollar investigation based off of what we can now look at and recognize as bad data. Because if you're okay with that, then presumably you're okay with it when it happens in the opposite direction. And a, and a lot of times what this comes down to is getting people to, getting people to agree to a, a standard, a baseline principle. The baseline principle is the government, like a, a political campaign with somebody who's currently in office. Yeah should not be using the resources of the, the federal government to essentially go after their political opponents. To that point, though, Nick, I, to answer your question, because I think that's an important question that you should ask, you know, and I, I think the honest answer, maybe the person that you're speaking to on the left won't say this, but I think the honest answer is, is yes. And the evidence of that is our second story, actually, because well, there are in, in, when I say that, I, I am immediately thinking of, remember that quote from um, Sam Harris where he came out and he basically said, oh, well, Donald Trump was such a unique threat to yeah. our institutions and our democracy again that, you know, it was okay to do these things that would otherwise be immoral or wrong yeah. or potentially even illegal um, to, to it silence was the, it was people. the greater good argument. Yes, and, which is amazing for in atheist to be making that argument, yeah. but well, especially Sam Harris to be making that. argument. Yes. But well, I, 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 to, to your point though, that, that I, I think that, that people on the left would say, well, yes, I'm willing to do the means justify the ends. Well, okay, here's what, and here's, here's that's what I exactly what happened here with the, the, the Hunter Biden store. This is why I generally make a distinction between liberals and leftists, right? It, I, with, with a lot of the people I know that I would categorize as leftists, which means that they, they are so bought into the idea that, that left-wing economic, social, political, theological like reality is so important that anything that stands in the way of it is essentially a moral bad. right? If you've convinced yourself of that, 
and you've convinced yourself that the, the ends justify the means, well then, I, quite frankly, I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking to you. But I also know people that are liberals. And the liberals will look at something like the Steele dossier and be like, you know what? I will fight against Trump with everything I got in me, but I, I want to do it through the right legal means. I want to do it through the ballot box. I don't want to do it through this sort of, of inappropriate misuse of, of government funds. I don't want to do it through essentially you know, the, the politicalization of, of a law enforcement agency. And I know liberals that take that position and, and will be intellectually honest about it. I can have a conversation with them all day long. Now, when I have that conversation, they're probably going to bring up like, okay, well, what did you think about Nixon trying to use the IRS in order to, I think it was horrible. I think it was wrong. And I think that Nixon had to resign as a result of it. And I think part of the reason why Nixon had to resign was because fellow Republicans within his own administration said, this is, you can't do this. Yeah. And so that that's what this is about is getting back to the idea. And and this is what I we need people, liberals, to understand. If we cannot agree on on a baseline set of values or principles with respect to things like this, what will happen over time is the the one side that is saying this is unfair and you shouldn't do it and this is wrong will eventually buy into the idea that this is the way the game that, is played. This is how yeah. the game is played. And yeah. that's what gets terrifying. And and let's move on to this next story because we've got several more we got to get to here. Zuckerberg says Facebook censored the post Hunter Biden stories because FBI warned of Russian misinformation dump. Now, here's what's interesting here. The, he, this first came out on Joe Rogan's show. Yep. This was just a month ago. Yeah, this is a month yeah. ago. Zuckerberg We're, said this on Rogan. We yeah, jumped Zuckerberg now from 2017 to just a month yeah, ago. Just a month ago. And the reason why we, we put these two together is because the Steele dossier looked like it was a combination of collusion between certain members of the FBI and a political campaign mm -hmm. combined with really, really bad data, like data that should have not never passed scrutiny. Uh, or, or, yeah, should have never passed scrutiny when they, they looked at whether or not they were going to do further investigation. Then you have a case where you have the Hunter Biden laptop come out, right? And everybody's like, oh, this is October. So is it really his laptop? Is it not yes. really his laptop? Was it put in there? You know, is it is it a deep fake? All legitimate questions, right? All of those were legitimate questions. The difference was is that while media and social media and everyone else was all in on the Steele dossier, which turned out to be bogus, they work just as hard to suppress anything with the Hunter Biden laptop, which now looks like it was completely legitimate. legitimate. Right. It was legitimate. Yeah. Right. And and you had you had people within Hunter Biden's like who had worked with Hunter Biden, worked in his company, coming out and saying, This was absolutely going on. Joe Biden knew about it. They did that one press conference, and then all of a sudden it was suppressed, 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 suppressed. Mm -hmm. Now, a lot of us just thought, well, this is this is because these social media companies are owned by liberals. And so they got no problem doing this. And Congress has let them get away with this idea of, oh, we're a, we're a platform, not a publisher, even though they're behaving like a publisher. And then we find out later that Zuckerberg goes right on Joe Rogan and say, well, no, the FBI called us up. That was even more. Can I just really drive that point home that that is even more egregious than Facebook themselves? Yeah. Making the decision it, that would still be controversial, and in many ways, I would still have huge problems yeah. with Facebook deciding to censor certain stories and not allow others. Because again, that gets into the whole debate about publisher versus platform, which yeah. maybe is a topic. Which they for have done day. that we have a problem with. Yeah, yeah. is this but, the first clear example that we have where Facebook said we have suppressed a story? Well, they have suppressed stories before, but, but this they, is the first example that I could think of where they suppressed us. Here's the thing. It's not just that they suppressed a story. That alone is an issue. Yeah. It's the fact that they suppressed a story at the direction right. of the FBI. FBI. Yeah. yeah. Well, and the arguments, because people say, well, they've suppressed stories before. Again, the first point is, is that this was at the direction of the FBI. Right. The other one is they suppressed stories because of COVID. 
Now yeah. that was at the that was at the White recommendation. House. The recommendation. Now keep in mind, the the politicians can always get away with saying we didn't tell them they had to suppress the story. When the agent, when when the organization yeah. within the government yeah. that is repeatedly having you come and do testimonies before Congress as they determine whether or not they're going to massively change regulations that will have an inevitable huge financial impact on your company, make recommendations to you. Okay, that that's kind of like the mob showing up to your door saying like, "Hey, we're not saying you got to do this, but it'd be a shame if something bad happened, right?" Like this is <laughs> this is this is what's going on right now when the, when the government does it. It has yep. the same effect. But with COVID, social media could at least could at least make the argument. I don't agree with this. I think it was wrong. I think it's been proven to be wrong. They could have at least made the argument that we are we are deeply concerned about people getting sick. We're deeply concerned about misinformation being put out there. We don't want more people to die. And so this is why we're doing this. I don't again, I don't agree with that. I think it's wrong, but that's the argument. This was you you had a you had a law enforcement agency going to a social media thing in the midst of an election. Yeah. And saying, We don't want you to we don't want we want you to suppress this because we think it's Russian misinformation. Oh, why? Because you've proven that it's Russian misinformation? Well, because they, did, they been, didn't because, say exactly what to suppress. Because there's been a trial? Because there's been a trial and you've actually found the people yeah. that were responsible for dumping this information? Or you've indicted anyone, not you've even had a trial. So, you've no, no it, wasn't even, it wasn't even that, oh, we know that this, this laptop's going to be revealed and you need to suppress that. It was, we have credible information that says there's going to be a big Russian disinformation dump. So if you hear, if if you see something that fits that type of description, you need to just. That is so vague. Yeah. That's even worse in some ways because at that point, now you've got the top law enforcement agency in the entire country telling one of the largest social media giants anything is 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 liable to be labeled as Russian misinformation. Any story. What it was is story. they were trying to suppress the October surprise. Well, yeah. they, they they knew. Here's here's what happened. There, there were anybody could tell because it's an election. This is how these yeah. things work, right? That there was going to be something that was going to come out. The, the reason we call it an October surprise is because it happens almost every October when there's yeah. an election. So cycle. there's always going to be something. There's going to be something. It works and to your you, advantage when you when you say it's going to be about the Bidens. Make sure you suppress yes, it. Yes, it, it could have been. It could have been that you know Joe Biden skipped one year of his tax returns or something like that. It could have yeah. been something much more mild. And it still would have been used as justification. And to instead, silence that it's story. Hunter Biden with a laptop full of incriminating yeah. evidence. Obviously, we're all very concerned about the you know Facebook conspiring with the feds. But thinking five, ten years down the road, what's the worst case scenario here? Oh gosh! So now, now you have a situation where you don't have like so when Biden tried to do his Ministry of Truth, right? It, that almost immediately got shut down because it was horrifically Orwellian. Right, this idea that we're going to have this government body that will sift through information and decide what the truth is, and then tell you, right. like this is what to believe. Like that was not only not to mention the fact that if you're the sort of person that thinks that's what the government should be doing, that's also a dumb way to do it, because now you're coming right out and you're just you're just taking a, a page right out of Orwell. Yeah. No, no, no. The smart way for the government to do this is to create an environment to where you have something hanging over the major media, you know, entities out there. To where if they don't do what you want, you can cause them a lot of financial trouble. And and corporations, for the most part, you know, again, nobody starts, people start a corporation in order to make money, and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But the idea is, is that okay, if if I suppress this, I, I don't have to deal with whatever problems the government's threatening me. And if I don't suppress it, I potentially do. 
you know, okay, well, what are you going to do? Well, it depends what they, it depends what the corresponding backlash is on the other side. Well, in case anyone has forgotten, the federal government's the one with the F-15s. Joe Biden reminds us all the time, right? <laughs> so if, if the idea is, is that if you don't, if you don't anticipate a major um, market backlash as a result of doing something, but there is a huge government backlash, which right. could be potentially debilitating, then you suppress it. I'm reminded of a tweet that um, Glenn Greenwald actually made a few weeks ago. He he put out this amazing tweet thread talking about collusion, actual collusion between big tech, big media, and elements within the federal government, mostly the DOJ and the FBI. And again, when we say this, we don't mean every single person working for the FBI is some some agent of the no, far left, no, right? No, 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 that, no. That's not what we mean here. Yeah. We mean that there's certain people within these agencies that are pushing this stuff. Well, and it's almost never the rank and file. It's almost never people that are so. We, we have this thing where you have, you have administration and then you have operators, mm -hmm. right? So like, for instance, we, we've got a, we've got a good friend, um, that's an FBI agent. Um, and he's a great guy. And, and the reason why he got in the FBI is because he desperately cares about his community. He wants to help people. He wants to protect the innocent. And that's what he does. Like my dad was LAPD for 20 years, right? Yeah. So it, it's this idea of distinguishing between people that, are, are going into a very dangerous occupation and doing their level best to uphold both the constitution and protect their community. Right. When we talk about you know, that's the sort of people we want to back, that's what we mean. You also have people with an administration, especially when you get into these appointed positions with higher level political appointed level. positions, they are there yeah. to push a particular agenda. All right. And, and well, they're not supposed to be, no, they're not supposed to be, but at the end of the day, we're starting to see more of this, you know, politicizing. Yes, the, the politicizing of a particular agency. And and the problem is, is that the people that feel like, yes, we're finally getting to Trump, they're looking at it as, oh, well, this agency is just doing exactly what they should be. God bless them for doing it. The, you make the, a good point that it goes back further than just, oh, they censored this on, on uh, the Hunter Biden laptop or, oh, now the DOJ is going after, you know, right-wing political opponents and blah, blah, blah. The thing is, is... This does. It's not just Biden's geo, DOJ. It's yeah. the people that were appointed by Obama, actually, who have continued to push a lot well, of this. This is a, the, because this, this started with the Steele dossier. Yeah, and and well, this so part did. If you want to go back even farther in the FBI's history, go look at what they were doing during the Civil Rights Movement <laughs> under J. Edgar Hoover. I mean, there, there. I'm I'm old enough to remember a time where where the left rightly called out the FBI as doing some really shady stuff in order to suppress. Um, like the civil rights movement, Martin Luther King. And that's that's kind of the danger. Like when we talk about federal law enforcement and they are, we can all see that there are things that they should be focusing on. However, yeah. the danger we have is that when it's so closely tied to politics at the federal level, there is this danger of, of using them to go after people well, that you don't I, I, like. I'll say this, the FBI, not just the FBI, the DOJ as well, federal law enforcement agencies traditionally existed to uphold the rule of law, protect the constitution and go after really dangerous bad guys. I don't, I don't mean like, like, you know, the guy on the street selling marijuana. I like mean like drug the cartels. drug lord himself. Yeah. Right. I, I mean, you know, like high level human trial people that well, or almost like an organized or, or multi-state serial killers. Okay. So here's what it really comes down to, right? The reason why you have federal law enforcement is because states and localities are not obligated to enforce federal law. Right. 
So you have to have a law enforcement entity which is dedicated to that because guess what? Like I got in an argue with a Republican about this during the during the Senate campaign. Corey Stewart and I went back and forth on this because he was like, I want to I want to require you know state and local law enforcement to en enforce immigration policy. And I was like, okay, wait, 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 walk that back a second. It is one thing to say that I, I think that state and local should cooperate with federal law enforcement when appropriate to enforce federal law. It is completely different to say you are now required by law to basically be an extension of the federal of law the federal enforcement government. agency. You've now like, federalized. You've federalized state, yeah. all your law enforcement. So there, and then what happens when the federal law changes? Oh, what happens right. when the federal law changes is now they want to go after your guns. And now you're, you're now they're required to, are required to cooperate. Yeah. So there, there's nuance here. But to your point about, about, making distinctions between a federal law enforcement agency. There are legitimate reasons. One of it's enforcing federal law. One of it is interstate. Yeah. Right. So right. if you so have a serial killer that's going state to state. Yeah. Yes. The, fe and, the, fe and, the FBI or, will look at that. Or if you've got, you know, somebody that's trafficking people through yeah. multiple states. Yeah. Right. So the, the idea was, is that there was, there was a jurisdictional issue that we had with respect to law enforcement. And the argument was the federal law enforcement could fill that gap. And that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Here's the danger. And I'm going to give you a foreign example. The Netherlands. So in the Netherlands, when they started to crack down and they basically told 33% of Dutch farmers, we're going to expropriate your land, right? We're going to give you some money for it, but we're going to take your land because we need to, we need to decrease the amount of nitrates that are being used. They first tried to impose this with local law enforcement, right? Because the farmers started to like protest and they started to flood the streets and they started to get their tractors out there. Now, local law enforcement, they weren't going to sit there and start popping off rounds at you know, the farm, like Sven, right? They know, they know that guy, right? Because they're local. So what did they start doing? They started calling up federal law enforcement. And that's where you started to get into issues where now you started to have a, a much more, um, you know, violent response to what was going on. And then that violent response was also met by protesters as well. So the issue is, is that the, the more separation you have between the law enforcement agency and the community that they're supposed to protect, Typically speaking, you, you you can you can increase the probability for a more violent response. But again, I don't want to go totally down that because we got we, again we got a couple more we got to get to. All right, so but the the name the number one takeaway from this last one was the whole idea that we we now have we finally have the head of a major social media platform, arguably the largest in the world. I think Meta is the largest. You I mean, maybe outside, maybe yeah. outside of some of the Chinese ones, um, coming out and said yes, the FBI told us to suppress this information. Or, or strongly recommended, yeah. right? So that's that's problematic. Next one. All right, so we have the white. Um, this goes with the school board. So we, we this all- This is part of the reason Glenn Youngkin oh, won last yeah, year. Yeah, this is one of the reasons why Glenn Youngkin won is because and we, we saw this in Loudoun uh, School Board and what really kicked this off was this the, the mainstream media immediately picked up on this picture of this father who was being drug out of a school board meeting. It was a very unflattering picture, you know, the whole deal. And it was like, oh, see, this is the sort of violence that these conservatives are pushing in our school boards because, you know, they they don't like trans They want to ban books. Yeah, they, they want to ban yeah. books and they don't like or trans Or they're kids. racist bigots. Yeah, they're racist yeah. bigots. They're anti-LGBTQ. That was the main story. That, and then all of a sudden, the Daily Wire actually bothered to do journalism and went to the guy and said, Hey, why are you here? It's like, my daughter was raped by a student that claims to be trans in a, in a school bathroom, right? As the superintendent is saying, we don't have a single instance of that taking place. And then called him a liar, called him a liar. And then all of a sudden it came out that not only had his daughter actually been raped, but they quietly moved the student to another school where then he, where he immediately reoffended. Yep. 
And all of a sudden it was like, oh yeah, this isn't the bad guy. You're the bad guy. Then all of a sudden we find out that the National School Board Association went so far as to call the federal government to not only do the DOJ, they wanted the National Guard called up if necessary in order to protect these schools from these, you know, basically equating parents to terrorists. They they wanted to use counterterrorism legislation in order to justify the use of these, the federal forces to do this. And then we find out that the white house actually was working in collusion with the national school board association or with one of these groups in, in order to craft this letter in order to craft the justification for it. So once again, we have a case of Biden's department of justice being Going used for a very specific political purpose. And it's really interesting that, that, you know, for all of the uh, believe women type of thing, we definitely don't believe women when it doesn't fit to their agenda. <laughs> That's it's, it's just amazing that no, no, we're going to go ahead and um, protect at all costs, this trans kid who decided to rape some girls. And now even they're even changing the, uh, the wording and saying, Oh no, it wasn't actually a trans. It was just a boy wearing a skirt. Yeah. Like, what do you think a trans is? Well, the, and the look, we can get, the problem is, is that, the problem is with any of these definitions, all you have to do is claim fluidity. And sure. now it's, you know, but whatever. That, 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 but that, the point that's was, kind of missing the point for yeah. for the, the the issue here. I mean, that that's a whole other issue, right? Yeah, but, but I'm just saying that's their, that was their motivation. The, the pro, Well, no, that that's not their motivation, though, I feel like. I no, feel like their the motivation, motivation was to to shield their agenda and, and part of their agenda was the transition. Sure, but I think that the larger motivation behind this is this this idea. And I got I, I, I got at this point earlier when I asked Nick this question. I really do feel like that there's this element within the left that has this mindset that our political enemies are so dangerous and so evil and so bad that any measures whatsoever can be justified in order to stop them. And so when you have that mindset, things like the rule of law, the Constitution, historical precedent, separation of powers, division between state, federal and local governments, those things are obstacles rather than features of a of a system that has, uh, you know, survived for 200 years. Those things are obstacles to overcome in the pursuit of defeating your political enemies rather than cherished traditions and institutions and laws that are to be respected. And it's so fascinating that the same people that talk about threats to democracy and and, you know, and 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 stuff like that are the same people that are willing to trample over those five things that I just listed in pursuit of defeating their political enemies, because I really do get this feeling that there's an element within the left that is operating within some of these federal law enforcement agencies. And again, not everybody on the left and not all of these not everybody that works for these law enforcement agencies. But I think there's elements within the left that work within these federal law enforcement agencies or work within big tech media companies or work within um, legacy media like CNN and stuff like that, that truly believe that people who disagree with me are so bad and so much of a danger to everything that I, I hold true that I'm willing to support any measures whatsoever and trample over any sort of legal protect, protections or historical precedents in order to defeat them. And if that means labeling parents at a school board meeting as domestic terrorists in order to get my way, so be it. If that means concocting outright lies about things like the Steele dossier, so be it. If that means silencing stories to, to, to go to the whole point that I made earlier with Sam Harris, if that means silencing potentially legitimate stories that could 
that could potentially hurt the political prospects of a candidate that I'm supporting for higher office. Who cares? It's for the greater good. Well, and, and I, I mean, I think a lot of people would have said, okay, well, we're blowing it out of proportion until I heard what Sam Harris said. And, and I'll tell you why, because Sam Harris, for those of you who don't know, Sam Harris is a pretty prominent atheist, but he's also, for the large part, he was kind of considered part of the you know intellectual dark web. It was this idea is that he was somebody of the left who was actually very, very concerned about this whole idea of you know silencing people and banning people and, and uh, doxing them and throwing them off their platforms or taking away their job. Like he, he had remained fairly intellectually consistent, kind of taking that like... Um, um, oh gosh, I'm trying to think of the other guy. Bill Maher uh, approach yeah, to this. Or Brett Weinstein. Yeah, or, yeah, the yeah. whole the whole idea of like, look, I'm on the left, but I don't like what, what's going on. And then all of a sudden he came out and, and Christian was exactly right. He, he tried to walk it back, but it was, well, no, Trump was so bad that it was okay to do this under these circumstances. Once you start getting into that environment, and I had it at the Q&A at UVA, I had a student say, well, if they're using these tactics, like how do you, how are you supposed to beat somebody if, you know, you're doing, you know, you've got your gloves on and you're fighting like a, a gentleman and they're pulling out a baseball bat and beating you to death. And my response back to him was, is like, okay, what's the limiting principle on that? If, if they, if they riot and burn down a city and loot a target, does that mean we should do it? Because, Hey, if it works for them, no, there, there has to be guidelines which, which, which inform your approach to dealing with this. And you know, this, this next one is a, this next one is another, I, I think, scary example. So this is very recent. This is this month. Um, Facebook silencing activity related to FBI whistleblower uh, Steve Friend. So Stephen Friend came out there. He's been talking about some of what the FBI is doing. For, the, the whole whistleblowing component is the prioritizing of you know political cases over other ones. And this gets to our point that we were talking about earlier about how it, it isn't everybody that's working in the FBI no, no, is all obviously, in on this. Yeah, there's, you, there's people in the agency that are saying like, whoa, 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 we're moving in a direction I'm not comfortable with. Well, but, but what kills me about this is what, what's the what's the headline? Facebook's silencing. His wife was saying something. They shut down her account said, you know, she violated community standards. We've all learned that the community standards can be interpreted any way Facebook super wants. super arbitrary. But what's incredible to me is it wasn't that long ago that Mark Zuckerberg is getting up there on Joe Rogan saying, yes, the FBI encourages us to do X, Y, and Z. Now you have FBI whistleblowers come out, and what's Facebook's response? We're going to shut down their accounts. So so clearly Zuckerberg is doesn't have enough control to be able to stop what's going clearly on Clearly they're fine company. with it. Yeah, fine so with it's it. – was he – was he was he was he notifying us like oh my gosh I'm I'm letting you know that the FBI did this or is he just letting us know that yeah this is how we operate now yeah I'm um, pretty sure it was the latter well let's let's get to uh, this other one there's another FBI whistleblower that says SWAT teams are being misused and another one that's really controversial is he's saying that January 6th defendants rights are being trampled now let's go over both of these real quick the one with the use of SWAT teams we've actually got another story in fact let's click to that real quick and uh, this has to do. Uh, uh, this actually has to do with, there was a, a pro-life activist. He's got about like seven kids. One of the things that they do is he goes and th they call it like intervention. So mm. they'll show up on public property outside of a Planned Parenthood and they'll try to convince women to not get an abortion. Okay. So you can legally do this provided that you stay on public property, right? How do we know? And for, for anybody on the left that's got a problem with this, did you have a problem when people were protesting outside of Supreme Court justices' homes? Okay, then you don't get to have a problem with this, right? right? Because this was a public building. They weren't going to the houses of, you know, Planned Parenthood members. They were going to the building, standing in a public thing, and doing intervention stuff. They tried to go after this guy before. They tried to convict him on, like, um, uh, obstructing people's ability to get in there. It failed. Couldn't do it, right? They tried. I think they tried to get him on something else. Couldn't do it. 
So this guy is coming up and yelling at him. And he's, he's actually has his son there with him, right? Is yelling at him, shouting profanities at him, the whole deal. And he's just taking it. Then all of a sudden, the guy starts to yell the profanities at his child. Now, the left will say, well, why did you even have your child there? Again, I'm going to repeat back to the left. Did you bring your child to the protest you like to go to? Okay, then you don't get to say that it's unfair when, when somebody on the right does it. Right. But they he brought their there. child to the abortion clinic. They just didn't leave with them. Ooh, dang. <laughs> so this, kid, this guy is screaming at um, the parent. Then he starts screaming at his son. And it's still, the guy's not doing anything. And then the guy starts to get close to his son, and that's when he pushes him back. Well, what does the guy do? He immediately presses charges. And from what I, from what I understand, somebody correct me if I'm wrong, from what I understand, those charges were dismissed at the local level. Yeah, and then he tried to go after him civilly. And that and was thrown out. And then that was thrown out. And then the DOJ So comes here's the in. question. All right, somebody show me. Yeah. Somebody show me the federal jurisdiction for this. Why is the DOJ coming in why is, for, why for somebody who, who, and then, uh, and then, who shoves and another then what person? Was their, and then what was their response? Was the res so again, what did he do? He shoved an adult. He pushed an adult who was shouting obscenities at his child, which you could make an which you could make an argument was verbal abuse, verbal assault, right? And then got close enough to where the father was concerned about his son's safety and pushed him back. That's it. Didn't follow him up. Didn't chase him down the street. Didn't beat him up. And they want to treat him, him like he's a potential domestic terrorist. And not only not only did they not only did this get thrown out at a local level, but then the Department of Justice steps in. So what does the Department of Justice do? Do they show up to his house and be like? Pardon me, sir. We'd like to have a discussion about this altercation that takes place. Actually, which he by, offered which to talk by the way, to them. Which, oh, by the way, we don't have any federal jurisdiction to go after unless we are really searching for some sort of justification. No, no, no. What did they do? They showed up with a SWAT team to go after a guy that, as far as I know, has no previous criminal record, no priors. His wife said that the, the FBI showed up with guns pointed at the husband while the children watched him and we're screaming. Yeah, they raided the house. And then they so. wouldn't even let him they wouldn't even let him get like a couple of effects before they, they walked him out. I, I'm sorry, but go back to the previous article. When we talk about SWAT teams being used, and, and when we talk about again the federal government coming in to investigate this, which makes no sense to me. And then they weren't doing a whole lot of investigation. It looks like they were doing a lot more like we're gonna come in and detain you and we're gonna we're gonna come with a bunch of guns in order to make sure you go peacefully. What, what was the justification for any of that? Intimidation. Now, I don't now, understand why SWAT teams haven't been used on Hunter Biden. Oh, I do. <laughs> but no, this and, and this is something, too, where people will come and be like, oh, now you don't like SWAT teams. This is the part where I always like to remind the left because I have people come in all the time saying, oh, now you got a problem with this. I'm like, do you know anything about where I stand on these positions? Because I've, I've actually... I've actually been on the side of saying, look, I want to be careful on how we use SWAT teams. I want to be careful on how we use no-knock warrants. I'm not saying there's never an appropriate time. Like, for instance, if you've got a hostage situation, right, and they don't know the police are there, I don't think the police should have to knock before they go in to rescue the hostage. That's stupid. But there's a lot of other things we've used no-knock warrants for, especially for, like, drug possession. We don't want them to We're flush now the marijuana. People have been yeah, killed. it's like, well, we don't want them to flush the drugs. I I'm sorry. The, the flushing the drugs does not outweigh the potential problem of mm -hmm. kicking in a door at 2 o'clock in the morning and someone getting killed because they don't know if it's the police or a rival gang member. Yeah. Right. So let, let's or cases, just a break and entering. Yeah, so if somebody kicks innocent in. people too. But but to your point. So it's the, my point is is that there's an appropriate use for SWAT and there's yeah. an inappropriate use for SWAT. Now I'm not claiming they kicked in his door right now, but can someone please explain to me why this level of aggression was necessary to go get a guy 
that as far as I can tell, and as far as the evidence that's been presented, there, posed no threat. There, there, there's already been stories about how he offered to speak to them. Yeah. And they chose to raid his house anyway. Yeah. That sounds eerily like the Mar-a-Lago raid when Trump was like, yeah, come on in. You guys can, you know, look at these things. He even goes down and says hello to them and, and talks to them while they're I, going through the boxes. And then next next thing you know, they're kicking in doors and I, doing I do, a full-fledged I, raid. I, I do think that that we've noticed a. By the way, I ju- I just realized this. I didn't even think about this before we started recording. But notice how there's been a a progression of of the level of intensity over time over each of these five stories. We started to to recap here. We started with the Steele dossier, right? We started with the story that basically the Clinton campaign concocted and then sold to the FBI in order to justify spying on the federal, uh, on, on a rival political campaign. Yeah. And then we move to censoring certain pieces of information, right? That, that is politically inconvenient or might, you know, throw a wrench in certain, certain campaigns. Right. So we went from spying to censorship to intimidation. Right. Right. With the, um, you know, the, the, the trying to label parents at school yeah, board terrorists. meetings as domestic terrorists to raiding people's homes. Yeah. Right, and for for minor things, yeah. for minor things, that's what well, I think is, that there might be people who are wondering, like, what am what if I say something or somebody makes a claim against me? Is the FBI going to kick in my door in the middle of the night in front of my kids, or you know, it, where does this stop? Because this is a pretty minor uh, political opponent here. Why in the world? I mean, why in the world over a shove for something that that two other uh, Judges have totally thrown out. Why in the world are we well, and, and doing I, this? I think this is this is the sort of thing that we're, where you see a stream of these things happening. Because let, let's let's think about this from a political nature. So first of all, the Steele dossier was all about taking down Trump. That had a political nature to it, right? The the next thing where we're talking about suppressing information about Hunter Biden that was also about taking down Trump yes. in, in the form of helping uh, Joe Biden. When we talk about the school boards, this has to do with a major political issue that is happening right now across the country. And Democrats see themselves losing on the education issue for the first time ever in my lifetime. Right. And, and what are they losing on? It's the whole, you know, part of it had to do with the whole push of the LGBTQ plus component within this part of it had to do with them hiding data from parents. Part of it had to do with schools closing down and frustration with public education in general. But you, you, now you see the DOJ intervening on this. And then what's this last one? Abortion. Yeah. Right. So when, when you're talking about, well, when, you're, when you're talking thing. about, when you're talking about issues, which are kind of like sacred, right. To the, to the left wing platform, all of a sudden now we're seeing the department of justice being mobilized in order to come in and assist with this. And, and if nothing else, you, you have the intimidation factor, but you also have the idea of suppressing speech or so. And I don't just mean like talking with talking with Facebook and getting them to not report certain stories. I mean, if you are genuinely concerned that if I show up to a protest and that gets caught on TV, am I going to be labeled a domestic terrorist? Am I going to get in trouble? Am I going to lose my job? And the answer is yes to all of those because well, we can see it happening in real time. And, and the, the problem now and the kind of, like, what are we on? Like the fifth one that we'll talk about here has to do with this whole idea of January 6th. Now I've been very vocal about this. If you storm the Capitol and did damage or you had the intention of trying to overturn, um, you know, the, the certification of electoral code. I'm sorry, you broke the law. You don't get to do that. You don't get to do that. And, And there are consequences for that. 
Now, the problem that we've seen with some of these stuff on January 6th is we still have people that are awaiting trial. And the, and the question some people have is, well, wait a second. We're, we're going through the process now. And there were some people that were there on January 6th that broke the law. And there was a lot of other people on January 6th that did not break the law. And we're getting a little bit confused when you got pictures of Ray Epps out there the night before saying, we need to storm the Capitol. And nothing's happening to that dude. And then you've got other people that have been in jail for like over, like well over a year now. And, and we're starting to ask the question, well, wait a second, is this, is this really in line with what we're supposed to see with respect to a speedy trial? And, and not to mention the fact that when you look at the way that the FBI has investigated this, they haven't investigated it all within the D.C. Bureau. They've spread it out. So anybody that was visiting from a different location that was there on January 6th, they've spread it out to all of those various um, um, offices. And it feeds into this narrative that, oh, this is a, this is a larger national conspiracy. So they've, they've tailored the way they've actually done this investigation. Now, you could argue that, well, they're just doing it based off of where that person came from. Or you could say that they're also trying to create a narrative. And again, that's not a decision that's made by rank-and-file FBI members. That's made by the administration within the FBI. And so when you take all of these things together within such a short period of time, and then you look at completely ignoring things like the Epstein list, now, maybe, maybe they will prove me wrong, and in a year or two, we'll start to see indictments on, on people that were on the Epstein list. Maybe they'll prove me wrong. But I'm not holding out a lot of hope right now because I don't think we're going to see any less of this before the elections, before the midterms. Oh, I think it's going to get worse. I think it's going to get worse. I think you're going to see more stuff because one of the things that the left really believes right now is that if, if it is Donald Trump and this sort of stuff in the headlines, they think they win. Because they can also come out and say, oh, look, we're pro-law enforcement. Oh, look, we're cracking down on crime. Well, you're not cracking down on the sex trafficking. Right. You're cracking down on parents at school board meetings. Or the drugs pouring protesters. across the border. There, there's this guy, again, this guy, what did he do? Did he firebomb a Planned Parenthood clinic? Did he threaten a Planned Parenthood employee's life? No. You know who does do stuff like that, though? Jane's Revenge. Jane's Revenge is a pro-abortion group that has had multiple attacks ranging from vandalism to firebombing of crisis pregnancy centers. What does a crisis pregnancy center do? It provides assistance to mothers in crisis and encourages them to keep their baby and then provides them with emotional, spiritual, and financial support. So all those liberals out there crying about who's going to take care of these babies if they're not aborted, they're now firebombing the very groups that do take care of those babies. Has there been one indictment for anybody that did that? I haven't no, seen but, any raids but yet. We've got, but we've got time for a SWAT team to show up for a father Who that, pushed a guy, that pushed a guy, pushed an adult that was verbally assaulting his son. So no, when I see all of this stuff lined up and we see the clear connections, I'm sorry, you don't get to tell me that I am somehow a conspiracy theorist because it looks like the left is perfectly comfortable using federal law enforcement to suppress their political opponents. And I could have gotten that, I could have thrown all this out and just looked at the National School Board Association letter to the White House and come to that conclusion. Because when you're saying we might need to mobilize the National Guard to protect our school boards from these terrorist parents, that's problematic. That shows a disturbing comfort with using the threat of violence and federal law enforcement to go outside of what would ever be considered the jurisdiction in order to suppress and prosecute your political opponents. I have a question. When it comes to things like this, and, you know, this isn't the first time that I've seen, I mean, there's, 
both sides have had an issue with kind of calling for martial law in certain instances. And so, and, and it's really interesting. There is this idea that, that no, like we can't call for martial law because we we're not supposed to be doing this to our own people. This is not, mm-hmm. this is not what this is here for. And there's this idea that, Oh, well, you know, most of our national guard are conservative. They're not going to obey some of these orders or most of our law enforcement are, you know, not in line politically with, with what's the motivation up at the top. You know, at what point do we look at this and go, I was just obeying orders isn't good enough anymore. That's not good enough. I mean, it wasn't good enough in, in different, uh, uh, instances throughout the world in in history it's not good enough why is it good enough now this idea that well you know i just got to go and do my job i'll tell you what it comes down to the the bottom line i mean that's that's easier to say it's harder to execute when you're right i know that's why i'm saying what does that look like the question is this like so in the military we have the uniform code of military justice so we had clear lines where you were never you were never um you couldn't be prosecuted for refusing to follow an unlawful order and, and I don't know what that looks like, honestly, for a lot of our federal law enforcement agencies. I, I don't know what it looks like because, honestly, you know, in, in the military, I think you, you, you had a lot more situations where it was a little bit more cut and dry because you weren't dealing with the Fourth Amendment. A lot of these things right? are legal gray areas where they it's are. not explicitly. They're legal gray areas. It's, it's, it's morally black. Yeah. But it's legally gray. So if you're, if you're the officer, if you're, part of, if you're part of an FBI SWAT team. Right. And you're, you're out of that office and they say, Hey, we're going to go do X, Y, and Z. It's not like they tell you, Hey, here's the full complaint. They're going to tell you as the, as the SWAT team guy, they're going to give you enough information to do your job. Does this guy pose a threat? Do we think he'll have weapons X, Y, and Z? What do we expect you to do on the objective? Are you just pulling security? Are you going in? Are you raiding it? You know, they, they give you that information. That doesn't mean you as the guy going through the door, know everything with respect to the background of this investigation. Right. So again, aren't they briefed before they go in as to why they're going in? They're, they're not briefed. It it depends. The level of briefing can vary greatly, right? It it depends on. So the people conducting the investigation have the most information about what's going on with the, with the subject, right. Or with the the suspect, the the person that's potentially conducting the raid or pulling security and whatnot, they don't necessarily have that entire background because it's not necessary to the execution of their duties. What's necessary to the execution of their duties is questions like how many people will be on the objective? You know, do we anticipate that they'll have weapons? Do we anticipate non-combatant? Like this is from the military side, right? But it's it's similar with law enforcement. So it's important to understand that not everybody has the same level of information going into a particular thing. And so treating everyone as if they do, or as if, well, this person's just saying that they're following orders. Now, if they came out put the father down in the street and told that guy to shoot. Well, no, at that point, you know, this is a, this is a clear violation of law or constitutional rights. Right. But like Christian said, something can be totally bad, but some of the person, some of the people involved in the action don't necessarily have all of that information. As far as they're concerned, this person might be, might pose a greater threat or there might be a, a, a larger, there might be a larger case that they're not aware of because their job is technical in nature. And that job is go in, get this person, bring them out. Is that somewhat by design though? Somewhat, you could argue that it's by design. You could also argue that it's just a question of time management, right? Do I, do I need to know the entire details of every aspect of this case in order to go execute what I'm supposed to do if I'm the breacher on the SWAT team? If I'm the breacher on the SWAT team, all I got to do is get the door open, right? So I need the information necessary in order to do my job, 
not to prosecute the guy in federal court. So it's, it's just, again, if we're being intellectually honest and consistent, it's important to understand that, yes, if, if an officer is put in a position where they are clearly violating the civil liberties or the rights of somebody and they understand that's what's going on, they should refuse that order. They, they are legally and morally obligated to refuse that order. That's not always the case in what's happening here, and it's important to make that distinction and also place the blame where it properly belongs. There's a reason why I say law enforcement lives at the business end of every stupid idea a politician has had. Because we've seen this in other cases, especially with our local law enforcement, where, where they're asked to enforce a law and then it goes badly and the politician that passed the law is like, I had no idea that would happen. This must be the police's problem or it's yours. So let's, let's wrap all this up. I know we're going a little bit late. Here's the bottom line. No, you're not crazy if you think that this, the Biden's DOJ um, seems, to have, uh, seems to have prioritized targeting things of a political nature over other crimes. And I think everybody, regardless of where you stand within the political spectrum, everybody wouldn't, everybody should agree that we want to go after Epstein's list. Everybody should agree that when we look at the federal, federal law enforcement and what their focus is, we don't want to focus on those things that fall clearly within their jurisdiction. And a lot of the things that they seem to be doing right now don't seem to fall within that jurisdiction or seem to be crossing lines when you're telling major social media companies that they should repress information ahead of an election because you think it might be Russian disinformation. So when you start to see a pattern developed around this, it is perfectly fine to question both the administration and those elements within a federal agency that have the ability to set this kind of policy and set this sort of prioritization. So no, we not only should be concerned about this, we should be speaking up about this. And the solution is not, and I want to say this because I've gotten this question from conservatives before, the solution is not for conservatives to get in power and do the same thing to them that they've been doing to us. I, I know that is tempting. And I, and I know that there is, there, is, there is a desire at times to say, you got to fight fire with fire. But if the way that you're going to overcome what looks like corruption is to engage in your own form of corruption, you are just as morally bankrupt as the people you are trying to fight. So, Let's understand that if we ever want to actually get to a place where our federal law enforcement agencies are operating in the way that we all expect, because quite frankly, when I stand before a judge or when I come into contact with law enforcement, whether that be, whether that be federal, state, or local, regardless of my religious faith, regardless of my ethnicity, regardless of my sex, regardless of my political affiliation, I want to be able to operate in an environment where I know I'm going to be treated with a certain modicum of justice, which is blind to all other considerations that are not relevant to the case before me. That is what we have to fight for because ultimately that is what people want. And for those that want to manipulate the process in order to create something different from that, they're the problem. But we're never going to beat that by adopting it as our own policy. All right. Thank you very much for joining us today. I know we went a little bit late. Please let us know what you thought of the examples. If you have more examples that you think should be brought up, please leave those in the comments. Also consider joining our volley chat. You can find information for how to do that in the, uh, the notes page. Once again, thank you for joining us and we'll see you next episode. 
Once again, thank you very much for listening. If you want to support the show, again, one of the best ways you can do it is by heading over to GoodRanchers.com with promo code Nick. You're going to get $15 off. You sign up for one of those subscriptions and you're going to get up to $480 of free meat with that subscription. You get to pick top sirloin, salmon, chicken breast, bacon. It is all up to you. Plus, if you're looking for gifts to get for the people that are impossible to shop for, GoodRanchers.com also has gift boxes. You need to act quick. This is part of their overall Black Friday special. So head on over to GoodRanchers.com, use promo code Nick, and once again, thank you for listening.